This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. So called My Old Man. Adoma brings it down. Can he make something happen inside the six-yard box? Sends across it. He's knocked away. Only as far as Adoma again. Here's the ball into a Kodja. It's 2-1. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. First of all, a big thanks to everybody who voted for myself and My Old Man Said as one of the nominees in the 2016 Football Supporters Federation Awards, which take place on Monday the 5th of December at uh, the St Pancras Renaissance Hotel in London. Much appreciated. Uh, we're in the Blogger of the Year category, which uh, used to be a, a judging panel that voted on that, and this is the first time it's a public vote. My money's on Copper90 with 2 million Facebook followers and over a million YouTube subscribers. I think the uh, FSF have kind of got their categories uh, a bit messed up there. But anyway, that's where my money is, but you know, you never know. Earlier in the week, I had the good fortune as part of the fan consultation group to meet Villa's new technical director, Steve Round, who uh, was definitely uh, probably one of the best value people we've spoken to, uh, well, I've spoken to at Villa in the last few years. Uh, You may remember that he actually turned down a chance to be Remy Gard's uh, assistant manager, and he actually said that he didn't have any belief in the manager or the owner at the time. But also, you know, he he was looking to go in a different direction, which this technical director role facilitates so as well as the Brighton and Cardiff games and I went down to Brighton for that and it was a good good trip as Brighton tends to be well also on the podcast we'll have a player focus on Ashley Westwood 
And we'll also have the usuals like Yet an Axe Jungle and Five Reasons to be Cheerful and also uh, sprinkle a few listener questions throughout uh, the show. And before we get cracking and Dan Rogers of the Villa Underground joins me, if you want to support us, head over to myoldmanset.com and uh, check out Patreon on the menu bar and you can sign up there and support us and it'll be much appreciated. This time we're not at Villa Park. We are, uh, as per usual, talking Villa in the early hours of the night. So, let's get on with the show. And joining me on this week's episode, Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground. Welcome, Dan. Hello there. So have you finished uh, freezing your balls off uh, after the today's trip to Villa Park? Yep, frozen my Yedinax off. They are now inverted into my body. It wasn't pretty, but we take the win. So, you know, I kind of like winter games, do you? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. sometimes I have to sneak a hip flask in there, but uh, that's oh, more, right, okay. more for away games, a little bit of rum. Warms the old cockles. Well, you know, if the game's crap, and uh, to quote Danny Murphy, dull, which I think is in his rights of uh, saying that, uh, I think it's just the Birmingham Mail trying to create, uh, Ian, Ian Holloway's now got a job, so they can't uh, run stories on no. his punditry, <laughs> so they need a replacement. Yeah, it's, it's such a non-story, such a non-story. I was just going to say, you probably would need the boost, because it wasn't, though we won today, it wasn't a great game, it was ugly football, wasn't it? It was ugly winter championship. Well, we'll get we'll get into the game in a minute. Let's just go through the uh, the points. Well, we haven't actually done a podcast for a couple of weeks now, but uh, let's stick to the recent uh, news points. Steven Seagal's become a Russian citizen. He's got his Russian passport. What, why not? That's <laughs> so that's on, not news. On... That's not news. It's <laughs> funny though. <laughs> Made me laugh. Well, Tony Zai is back in town, and uh, he was definitely been schmoozing around uh, local council and MPs. I think, uh, obviously, fighting this uh, HS2 train link that's going to go through Bodymore Heath, which is uh, causing a bit of a problem. I met uh, Steve Round, the Villa Technical Director, at the start of the week, and he was uh, saying that was one of the first things on his kind of dance card when he got here. He found himself uh, tackling that issue. And he's also signed some kind of uh, business... Sorry, what was the agreement that you mentioned with a Chinese housing developer? Oh, it's interesting. Um, Tony... I know nothing. No, it's just interesting that uh, Dr. Tony's into his smart cities and wanting to redevelop in and around, I guess, Villa Park or the land that Villa owns. And, and the city in September signed a, a £2 billion agreement with a Chinese housing developer. So, All right, okay. very interesting. Yeah, there was a few uh, local MPs and councillors at the game against Cardiff, all t- tweeting pictures with Tony. Well, he's met with uh, he's <laughs> met with the head of the say. council a couple of times, hasn't he now? So he's, he's clearly get, yeah. making his contacts there and keeping them happy. Yeah, but it's not, maybe they're part of the initiative to sit on his lap or in his box. So I'm not quite sure how the... How he, how the Sit with Zai. Yeah. How does that work? Is it you get to... I don't know, but you're, I, I saw what you put on Twitter, and I, I think you should be banned from the club, personally. I think you should have your season ticket revoked. No, no, no. I had it in writing that the people, the people who went over the last five years are now life members. We're lifers. 
Anyway, uh, on the pitch, Brucey Bonus's run continues mm. unbeaten, and uh, was it now fifteen out of twenty-one points? That's pretty, uh, pretty darn good in terms of yeah. turning the the fortunes of this club around. And we will get onto that uh, in a bit. And uh, the other thing is, old Mister Lambert, ghost of the past, uh, took over at Wolves, and uh, <laughs> dis- with Birmingham Mail saying he was the best man possible for the uh, job, haven't have they not read their own content for the last uh, three or so years? But uh, Lambert, anyway, still looking for that first win, and they got beat at home against Sheffield Wednesday and remain winless. Fourth bottom now as well. Yeah, doesn't look good there. And uh, obviously they've got new Chinese owners and a bit of cash, and Lambert was talking about uh, the playoff picture and the promotion as a viable option for Wolves, but I think he really should be concentrating on that relegation battle, which uh, he became a specialist uh, during his time at Villa. Anyway, let's move on to the game. What what did you think uh, while you were freezing your Jed and X off uh, at the performance today overall? Uh, I, I thought I thought given that Warnock set them up to absolutely spoil everything, and you know they came just to be confrontational and disruptive. I thought we played okay. We you know we we stuck to our guns, and I thought we ran out deserved winners in the end. Yeah, they tested as early doors with the old. Uh, how do I describe that throw? The delap. I <laughs> like always a, think it was like a delap. Like you know, yeah, the delap. I think I... Yeah, I read about I read about that, so I was expecting it. Yeah. But uh, I mean, they, we it all, <laughs> yeah, we weren't. It's, it was it was strange that because I'm sure I, I can't remember if Steve Bruce mentioned it in a pre-match uh, interview. But uh, you know, they 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 almost prospered uh, early doors off that little trick. Yeah, in the first few seconds, it's always weird with that that sort of long throw in that's essentially a corner. How defenders suddenly become and goalkeepers unable to deal with it because it's been thrown. I, I, you know, the ball doesn't. Yeah, it's because it's because it's like. F- Sorry, it's got this like flat trajectory, and that kind of, uh, for some reason, for some physics reason, which I'm sure uh, if we've got any listeners who have a degree in physics would probably many, be able to explain many. it better. I'm sure most of you have got degrees in something out there. Hmm. Uh, well, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> the upshot is Aston Villa matched uh, Cardiff physically, hmm? uh, I, I would say, pretty pretty well. I mean, there's there's been a few uh, eyebrows raised at Villa's kind of midfield in the past and also the defence folding under pressure but uh, we look I don't know we look pretty solid now under Bruce I would I would venture to say it works works quite well as a three and um, I mean I know Baker went off half time but you know Chester puts himself about Baker's in there and you've got Yedinak sort of anchored into that central spot just marauding around like some sort of barbarian kind of like a midfield sweeper isn't he like a sweeper that plays in front of the uh the centre-backs. Well, very anything that's in the air and anything that's sort of played in that, let's say, that triangle in front of the defence, he's never more than five or six yards away, is he? No, exactly. And, and that was, I think, when he came uh, to Villa, it was, I think it was essentially, uh, I mean, we had a, a viewer, sorry, a listener, should I say, comment a few weeks ago, Villa fans were slating Yedinak, now he's the best thing since sliced bread, so fickle, get behind the boys. Well, uh, there were question marks over Yedinak's performance at the start, and fickle is, you know, you, you tell it as you see it, people see Yedinak playing crap, they're going to say he's playing crap, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's simple as that, but he was, uh, he seemed off the pace in his the first few games, yeah. but I think that was about establishing amongst the midfielders their actual roles, and... Uh, when Bruce came in, I think he kind of laid that down uh, 
a bit more, uh, well, let's say a bit more distinctly than uh, RDM did. He's got a clear role in the team, hasn't he now? And that, that's, you could see immediately, I'd have loved, I was going to say, I'd love to have seen what would have happened if, if he hadn't have been in the team today. I think I know that, I know exactly what would have happened, that we would have been overrun. And he's yeah. such a, he's just, he's massive and he's, he's, he's such a presence as well. And we've never, I can't have the last four or five years particularly, we've not never had a, a player like that in the sense of, of midfield who you think, bloody hell, he's, he's something. Yeah, and also, I mean, when Elphick came on, suddenly we're, we're down to those two centre-backs who were both 5'11", under six foot, so it, it's handy to have Yedinak in there, just for his height, and I think he's, he, what is he, like six foot two? Nine foot uh, 11 inches, I believe. <laughs> he's a titan. He's a uh, another Another bastard. game... A huge bastard. Another chap who uh, is certainly uh, starting to uh, make sense, as in terms of why we bought him, is Albert Adomar, who uh, absolutely the impact is there now. He's actually uh, opening up defences and kind of coming in onto the back post as well from wide position when it's coming down the left. So, uh, would you say the last two games have really been? Uh, his best performances so far. Yeah, they've been the showcase, haven't they? And I, th- I thought, I thought against Brighton, he was unplayable, absolutely unplayable. And it was the first time I thought we've got. And again today against uh, against Cardiff, where you think every time he gets the ball, his his effort is and his work rate is phenomenal. But he's always looking to make that key that key pass where it's different to Grealish. How Grealish will ponder maybe and think and try and play the clever ball. Adoma is really direct. Yeah. I think for the uh, it was the opening goal, wasn't it? With Kodja headed him. Yeah, the yeah. first one he, he attempted to cross over hits the defender, but it's straight back in there, and it's not. You know, it's I make it sound simple by it being just a little chipped ball in, but it's right in the danger area where defenders don't want it, and that's that sort of stuff. We, we went months and years not creating any chances. This guy's perfect, absolutely perfect for it. So, you, so you rate him more than like Ton F or somebody like that? Oh. It's a tough one. It is. Let me just... <laughs> I don't want to commit straight away on that answer. Uh, yeah, I think it's Oops. fair to say we've upgraded. Sorry, that deserved a... Uh... Alexander Tonev. I mean, we don't need to dwell any longer than we need to on Tonev. But, I mean, I, I look back at the last time we played Cardiff. It's only three years ago. We had Tonev, Silla and Bowery in that team. Yes. No, Tonev actually did play in that game. You know, you think... And we wondered. We, we wondered why we weren't winning football matches. Although, ironically, we did win that game. G'day and welcome back to Jednax Jangle. Had you fooled for a while, didn't I? Turns out I'm a beast. Imagine how good I'll be when I'm not on my bloody own in this midfield. What about this lean specimen emerging from the swamp? That's never a Gabby. He never used to miss a meal. Now he just misses chances instead. This Sheila's two tons of fat. What's that now? Talk about a blast from the past. A bloody Calderwood. At least it's one less pommy around here. But blimey. You've also got a feel for Westwood. Still doing the mannequin challenge against Cardiff. Can't catch a break, the poor little ripper. But good on you, young Grealish Struth. We've got a real jackaroo on our hands. Play off those brewskis, mate. Big shout out to Alan Pardew. How's this one working out for you, matey? Ho, ho, ho. Where's your Ben Techie now? And finally, I'd also like to say thanks to Neil Warnock for the wine. No one bottles it quite like you. So, but in terms of the the Cardiff game, uh, even though we won, I thought probably the 
Brighton game was a bit more of an impressive performance, considering uh, mm. even though it was a draw. No, I thought we were, it was a one-one mauling, wasn't it, of Brighton? I don't know if it was a mauling, but it was. It was definitely like we we. It was you know like in boxing where you you fight until uh, the end to get the decision. I think, you know, and, and you're looking comfortable, you know you're not going to get knocked out or anything. It was kind of like that. And if it went on a decision, I think we would have won the points decision. There was just something just more solid about Villa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's be honest, apart from maybe Newcastle against St. James's Park, there's not a game where you feel like going into it, no. you're going to get beat. No, I thought that that was an now. interesting... No, we, we spoke about it because Brighton we sort of used as a... It's like a barometer almost of how well we're doing because they're the yeah. they're the the team who look like they'll be the second or promotion candidate if you like and yeah. also I mean, a lot of people refer to them as being like a really good team as well I thought they were good but I think we stopped them playing I mean mm. you've got to go uh, when talking about their credentials I mean Norwich were one of the favoured teams if not they were this I think at the start of the season they were the second favourites to go up after Newcastle and you know Brighton spanked them 5-0 I can't and, believe how badly they've lost their way actually Norwich I mean they're 8th now was it, yeah how many defeats have they had on the try it's quite considerable yeah yeah they've just lost to Derby yeah but anyway sorry going back to Brighton but yeah Brighton I think they were frustrated and I think speaking to their f- fans uh, after the game mm-hmm. They said they were pretty impressed with Villa, and they said they were we were a the best team that had played at the Amex this season, visiting team, and also if they finished above Villa in the league, they would probably be promoted. I would agree with that. I wouldn't aspire for it to be the outcome, though. I'd rather we were promoted. <laughs> well, no, exactly. Uh, I think if they finished above, well, they, they can finish team. above us. They can finish us above us in the league first. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, still not get promoted and Villa get promoted if they finish above us in the playoffs and then uh, True. We, yeah. we kick their asses in the playoffs. Oh, you do know that this is all set up for a Villa Blues playoff final. Yeah, no, that's what I've been thinking. People have been mentioning it and like I can, I don't think Blues have got it to get that automatic spot. I don't think they've got the depth in their squad, but I think ultimately I think they're, they're, they've got a good spirit about them that will uh, keep them in the top six because let's mm-hmm. face it, there's not that many... There's not that many teams, I think, in the division that are strong enough to go on a run and you know really uh, trouble the top two places. I mean, Huddersfield have always already shown that. Norwich have already shown that. And as for Brighton, as we've mentioned before in previous podcasts, uh, their staying power has always been questionable in the last few seasons. I mean, it doesn't matter how well they've impressed uh, for the first three quarters. It seems their last quarter is always a bit uh, dubious when it comes to the run-in. Well, exactly, and I think that that's got to give us hope because you know after such a sluggish start to the season, it's we've finally got ourselves together and find ourselves only three points outside the playoffs. You know, next week four points. <sighs> Leeds played uh, a later game and uh, beat Rotherham. How annoying it is! But, but we play Leeds uh, next week, and we can do something about that. Exactly. I mean, the point stands that we're you know we're within touching distance now of you know potentially one or two weeks away from dictating our own destiny, I suppose, and we're on such a good run yeah. all of a sudden. And and as you say, there's been no one... Even even when Newcastle came to Villa Park, if you consider it our poorest at the beginning of the season, they yeah. uh, it, it wasn't a terrifying experience, was it? And, and no one's been or... Well, it was in the first half for me. I was, well, I was, was almost going to walk out at half-time. It was <laughs> the most... It doesn't matter about Newcastle. Newcastle weren't that great because they, if they were, they'd have been three or four nil up at yeah. half-time. And I think that's the point, really, that we've we've talked talked all season about many of these sides 
you know, beating beating each other week after week after week, and there's this huge churn of clubs in in the middle third of the of the division. We've got to rise above that, and, and we yeah. appear to be putting well, together a run now. But even Newcastle, I mean, Blackburn beat them uh, yeah, this yeah. weekend, and uh, I can't believe that. To be honest, I really can't. The problem is though with Newcastle is that they've got such a head start on Villa that it's difficult to see them. We're going, you know, they're going to have to lose five. Is it five games? And we'd have to win five games for us to catch up on them. Yeah, and even though I don't think Newcastle are the you know the finished article, I think that gap's too big to uh, claw back unless we really go on a run and you know just don't lose again until the uh, until the first game of the season in the Premier League next season. I mean, it, uh, well, I, I, there's there's a couple of things there. I suppose Newcastle didn't have to have such wholesale change like we did. I mean, they, we've had radical change. You know, we're almost yeah. unrecognisable to last season, and. I think I don't think many Villa fans foresaw us being the top dog in the division either. I think, given given where we were at, even just a few weeks ago, the fact that we've managed to turn this big ship around and say, "Well, let's at least try and get into playoffs," and people actually believe it. Well, that's yeah. you know the fact that people have got an aspiration to be challenging for something is is progress. Indeed, I think the good news is is uh, I think there's a there's quite a few gears for Villa to go through yet. I mean, yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, looking at the Cardiff and Brighton game, you know, we're still not firing on all cylinders by any means, but we're solid. You you get the feeling now as a supporter that, you know, we're not necessarily going to lose a game or buckle. That kind of mindset's been reset. So now once those forward uh, guys start to actually play with, play together, I think, you know, we'll start, you know, hammering teams, hopefully. We've got people like, I know know he's not been available for the last couple of weeks, but We've got a player in McCormack who we haven't seen anything of yet. You know, yeah. he hasn't. I'm not saying he will necessarily come good. I hope he does, but this it's something else that I'm sure many in the division would be envious to have in their squad, let alone as an option. Well, I, I think he will obviously be an option in January. Yeah, for sure. Uh, those other guys won't be around. Nope. Speaking of some of the other guys, uh, Grealish. Um, mm. I still, I think he's still got to do a lot more before he. Uh, you know, we even spend too much time talking about him but uh i think he's, he's he can definitely get a lot for villa i mean he i mean let's be honest here he's a bit like ashley young in terms of he does play for the foul yep. at times Certainly. and today uh early doors it looked like uh i think he died for the early one and then uh even the penalty you knew he was looking for it yeah the thing about him he, he's clearly got something and he, he's Against Brighton, I think he looked good when he came on, especially in that more central role. He's got something. And there were two things. I mean, Brighton, I thought he was when he came on, he was you know it was a game changing performance over those few. They just couldn't deal with him. And today it was interesting because it was it was fifty fifty for me. I think there was the fifty percent Ashley Young where you sort of you rolling your eyes a little bit, going, "Well, he could have just you've beaten the man. Why are you throwing yourself on the floor?" And he was definitely targeted, and you know I know Warnock came out afterwards and saying you know he's you know he's waving at the referee and going you know how many more times do I have to be fouled? He was yeah. kicked all over the park and telling me that wasn't a tactic. Yeah, no, I mean obviously they're going to cut down uh, for sure, especially when they saw him on the, uh, the starting team sheet. Mm-hmm. They're going to make sure he has no room and uh, hustle and, and hassle him. But the thing is, I mean, Grealish, I don't know. Has he got to the point where he's used to it yet? I, I don't know. But he's, he definitely knows it's coming. And I'm sure, 
you know, when people people say, oh, uh, you know, a player dives or and, and they get on a player, you know, a lot of the time the managers tell them to uh, go down because, you know, it's a tactical advantage. You're winning a free kick or a penalty. And it's not just on the player's shoulders. It's sometimes following instructions. It's a, it's a, it's a big reputational thing to shift once you've got it, though, because that's that... Yeah. that um... I mean, let's not be around the bush. Ashley Young's got a reputation for diving and the amount of free kicks and penalties we won where, uh, I mean, Young, Young used to do that thing where he almost cartwheeled someone, didn't he? Every, yeah. And it was, you could see it coming and you could you could almost read the play. I'd, I'd worry if Grealish built that into his game because he's actually, I'd say he's probably technically as good as Ashley Young. If Maybe, maybe with a cleverer, you know. Maybe well, I don't know. He hasn't actually done anything yet. He hasn't. Apart from he, score a couple of goals. So, he hasn't, uh, but... You I see, think Ashley Young, to his credit, has has kind of proved himself as you know at Villa especially. Oh yeah, I'm not suggesting Ashley Young isn't and wasn't a great. I mean, he was a great player for us. I just think with uh, with Grealish, Grealish has got something, a particular spark. I think that if we can harness it, I mean, I I don't want to sound like a, a complete Grealish fanboy because I, I do think there's there are serious and there have been serious discipline issues with him. But this season's a big test for him because he's he's got an opportunity to develop outside of the limelight of the Premier League. You know, grow yeah. grow into a Villa squad that you know make yourself indispensable to the team. Um, especially when you've got yeah, players and like this, Albert and this season is and this season is well up and running. So yeah. uh, he needs to start. And I mean, he's a player that obviously needs goals in his game as well. And he's has he got a couple so far? I mean, he needs to be close to that double figures, I think, to really. Uh, be reaping all this hype still. Yeah, the the one thing that that sticks out for me about his play, and considering how important he can be as an as an attacking player for us, he he can almost take the sting out of an attack, and that's something that's picked up by a, a few people. It almost like he, he slows it down and allows allows the opposition yeah. to regroup. And uh, there was a couple of times today where you thought, when he first burst onto the scene, you, he was much more direct, and or, you know the glimpses that we saw of him. And has he been cut? Has that been coached out of him, or? You know, he's still well, developing. It's, it's interesting you say that because at this uh, meeting with Steve Round earlier in the week, uh, that's one of the things I was chatting to him about. Is we were talking about Westwood initially, mm-hmm. also uh, Tish Bowler, and you know who was discussing about we're talking about this culture of Villa playing sideways passes and mm-hmm. playing it back, and it kind of not only frustrating the crowd, but also you know ultimately not getting the the team anywhere on the pitch mm-hmm. in terms of. Uh, creation of chances and uh you know we discussed westwood uh for a bit of, and you know regarding confidence and you know i, I cited uh kevin richardson uh you know the former villa captain under big run as an example of the player we are missing who when gets the ball turns and faces the opposition and you know gets attacks going whether it's a short pass or you know a longer pass it doesn't really matter but it's just getting that movement forward and he was talking about that westwood uh, isn't a player that takes the ball off the centre-backs and then turns and then drives an attack and gets something going. And, you know, he was saying, uh, Round was saying he was watching uh, an Everton game on TV recently and he was saying, you know, Trissa Gay doesn't do that. He doesn't pick the ball up from the centre-back. If he gets a pass from a centre-back, he'll probably pass it sideways or pass it back. It's not like he gets the ball, picks it up, turns round and then drives. Mm. You know, these are players that have decent stats and pass completions and... All that kind of stuff. But what these stats don't really show is like the purpose and what the end product kind of is. I mean, unless it's an assist. But uh, but no, I think, and, and the interesting thing, because we were talking about this a lot, and, you know, he said that Tishbola, you know, they stopped training and he got a bollock in for playing sideways pass. 
which seems to su suggest it's a mentality that Bruce is definitely looking at to clamp down on. And also they'll probably have a, in mind to get a player in, maybe in the next transfer window or two, that is more of a driving force. Yedinak's not that guy. I mean, he's no. he's got a different role. Well, that's the point that we need. We need to establish an, a new identity and a new... It's a footballing culture, isn't it? You can see it through players like, you know, Adoma is a good example. Uh, Codger's a, a really good example of, you know, these are these are personalities and they've got their only thought is to try and score a goal. And yeah. we, we need that midfield equivalent. You know, Yedinak's only, his only thought when he's on the pitch is when that ball's anywhere near is, I will win that. You know, it, the midfielder we need, and it's interesting that Westwood's being preferred over over Gardner as well at the moment. I think that tells you a lot. Somebody said Gardner had a broken finger in training or something. Don't know. I, I, I haven't I mean, investigated it, to be honest. No, I, I don't know. And I think, strangely enough, I think Westwood's had two decent games. You know, he, he made he made the error. Well, shall we... I mean, we, we, we were going to pick Westwood for the player focus. So shall we dwell on Westwood now and let him be the player focus of this episode? No better time than the present. Carry on, then. What so, was you saying about Westwood? Well... Old Ashley, Ashley think, Westwood. Old Ashley. Um, I think we need some appropriate piano music for this moment. Mm. Now we begin the story of Ashley Westwood. He started off coming to Villa as our bright hope. He was going to be La Lambert's talisman, his go-to guy. But then it all went sour. The booze came from the terrace. <laughs> I'm completely ad-lib in here. Let's yeah. kill this music. Nobody can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Against Brighton, as uh, Steve Round uh, told me, my old mucker, Steve Round, uh, apparently Westwood covered the most ground and ran the most out of any Villa player, which uh, seemed to be uh, something that he's been lacking in the past. And mm. I think Round asked Westwood, uh, you know, how did, that, how did that feel after the Brighton game? And, he, you know, Westwood said it did feel a lot more better. One thing that supporters do appreciate is effort. So if he's starting, if he's been told to run around and get stuck in and cover everything and track back and do this and do that, then the first thing that supporters notice is effort. I mean, just look at somebody like uh, Alan Hudson, who, you know, he's, let's say he's, he's not uh, the greatest player in the world, but uh, he puts <laughs> the effort you don't in. Say. He puts the effort in, and uh, that gets him kind of a green light with the uh, with the Villa f supporters up to a point. Yeah, to a degree. Yeah. Westwood, it's up to him. I mean, if he shows the effort, but also he's got to cut out the mistakes. As I said, yeah. you know, in that meeting, I said, Absolutely. pretty much every game you'll notice him get shrugged off the ball, and mm -hmm. it, and that happened today, and it led to the goal. So I'm I'm sorry, but the reality is, as I you know, as I said, one of the issues with Westwood is is an indication of where Villa have fallen because I yeah. don't see him as uh, you know he's not a Kevin Richardson for example he's not he's meant to be the man that get, keeps everything ticking over in midfield but I don't see him as that I think he's got technical ability but he needs confidence and he needs to apply it but you know how long do you wait for him to come good all of a sudden well he's, a, he's like a group uh, you know a clutch of Villa players that come through and you, and you always think of them oh the young and up and coming and he, he's not and he's got years of Premier League experience as well Really annoying thing for for me with Westwood is he's as you say he's technically quite a good footballer you know he's he's but his decision making the conscious decisions he makes to like you said we, I'm sure we're repeating ourselves and, and many people yeah. have this same 
maligned debate about him because no one no one arrives at Villa Park I'm sure I'm, and I'm pretty sure of this thinking wanting to, to single out an individual footballer week after week after week but like you yeah. said the, yeah, the errors that he makes are so glaring that you think it doesn't help himself it, does he? He, he doesn't and I, I do think the last two games I thought the Brighton game he played really well and I didn't have any issues there but I think today was a great case in case in point that he he did a lot of running around. There wasn't a lot else going on in terms of we talk about end product. Um, yeah. But the thing that really sticks in my mind is that it was a horrendous piece of control that led to them getting in on goal when it was a gift. It was an absolute gift. Let's freshen up the Westwood debate and mm. let's see let's see how the bar how high the bar is. Question: Ashley Westwood or Barry Bannon? See, the fact that you've actually paused and then had to think about that is the only answer I need. <laughs> so when That is the litmus test, people. If you want to know if the midfielder's good enough, ask them the name of the player and Barry Bannon. Okay, we'll try it. Mila Yedinak or Barry Bannon? Oh, oh that's a tricky one. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's like saying, can I have another side helping of Yakuba Silla, please? It's just not... <laughs> It's not okay. Yuku Basila or Barry Bannon? <sighs> See? See? It's a good test, it, this. It's like G- dividing Gareth, by zero. Gareth Barry or Barry Bannon? It's always play, play the game. Don't be an asshole. Barry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but which Barry? <laughs> oh, no. Oh. This, this, we could get this game out in the Villa Village before Christmas. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Jordan Barry but- <laughs> or Libor Kozak? But no, I think I think the Barry Bannon test is uh, if you're not above Barry Bannon, then you shouldn't be playing for Aston Villa. Because Barry Bannon's somebody you still think, well, he could be uh, what was it? what was his nickname? Villa's Messi. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I never referred to him as our Messi. I'm, I will I will double check my blog. But <laughs> I mean, what the? <laughs> no, but he was Villa's something in the Esther. That was it in the Esther. He was Villa's in the Esther. What? But but no but no seriously if you know if you ask me about Barry Bannon or Westwood I'm I'm thinking well but Barry Bannon championship player well he's West Ashley Westwood championship player yeah that's, that's yeah. all you need to I mean, know that. that's all it is it's it's the Peter Whittingham test really isn't it exactly yeah yeah maybe we can sell that in the villa village as well before christmas the peter (laughs) whittingham game two for the price of one you can get the barry bannon game and the peter whittingham game as well to conclude hold on a minute it's up to you ashley it's up to you ashley westwood Listen, he'll enjoy his time at Wolverhampton when he's reunited with his father, uh, with his former boss, Paul Lambert. Yeah, watch out for the January uh, transfer window coming to you uh, in only a few weeks' time. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, we I asked for questions for this podcast uh, literally 10 minutes before uh, we started recording. So, uh, and when most, most fans were probably asleep as well. So, uh, <laughs> but we'll work with what we've got. And here's one. Who should be on the bench, Gabby or Hepburn Murphy? I can't believe that Bruce is managing to rehabilitate Gabby. I can't. It's it's Gabby's lost a stone and a half. Still only eight to go. Only eight to go. He all he ran today. I saw him. I was there. He ran. I don't know what to. I want to see Hepburn Murphy. I mean, never. You know, what? How do you think I feel? I uh, go all the way to Brighton, (laughs) check out the team sheet, and he's starting. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if the trains weren't cancelled every fucking minute at, uh, thank you very much, Southern Rail, if the trains weren't all cancelled, I might have got back on the train and uh, come back to Birmingham. I've got to say at this point, thumbs up to the, uh, is it Paul Barber, the uh, Brighton CEO who sent... Oh, yeah. He uh, hasn't left any... Uh... He's left them Sen- no data to his views. <laughs> he sent Southern Rail a classic uh, letter, which uh, I've put on the website if uh, you haven't seen it yet. But he's And he's forwarded it on to the local MPs, the government. Uh, it's basically a real finger to them. Anybody who's lived in Brighton uh, this year will know, uh, it's, it's almost at melting point, the website set up, there's groups set up, and uh, you know they're almost going to war against those idiots at uh, Southern Rail. Anyway, sorry. Well, no, I, I, let's just pick up on that point because he does he does obviously stick it into uh, into Southern Rail. But there was a key message there: thirty thousand people left that stadium, and it caused them a major safety issue. You know, we're not yeah. talking. That was only because that was luck, as much as as anything, as as Brighton actually dealing with that. That they just left thirty thousand people on a train. St- I mean, what? I stuck around after the game for about an hour. And had like a saw some uh, Brighton friends, so we got into like uh, the hospitality bit and had a Brighton bolty pie and a beer. And you know, half of the reason for doing that was, uh, well, you know, we'll allow an hour's worth of trains uh, yeah. to leave, and we can just stroll out, get the train, and uh, you know, we're in business straight away. And we got out there, and it was like uh, Armageddon. No, nobody had moved, and you know, people were saying we've been waiting an hour. Ridiculous. And I was like, well, I, there goes my plan of uh, circumnavigating the crowds. Anyway, sorry, you haven't answered the question. Gabby or Hepburn Murphy on the bench? Oh. Or Barry Bannon? <laughs> now, this is the Bowery test. I've told you, this is the Bowery best. Uh, <laughs> best you know. I can't believe I'm going to say Gabby. Am I, am, I, am, I, am, I, am I... Is there something wrong with me? There is, isn't there? I should say Hepburn Murphy. <laughs> I'm on the basis that I can't believe we're congratulating him for being losing a stone and a half. I mean, it's like, yeah, well played, uh, mate. You've been paid, you know, how many? He's not getting paid that much, surely. Apparently, he is. I don't know about that. I mean, unless Fox is a complete idiot, which that's the figure that no, it was the mirror. But no, the fact that he's getting paid five figures uh, and. And people are celebrating that he's actually lost of stone. And you shouldn't have a stone to... You should have, like, minimal body fat when you're a, a professional football player getting five figures a week. So, and, and, you know, it's ridiculous. I do think so you go for Gabby. Hepburn. I mean, yeah, I mean, I watched Hepburn Murphy again uh, against Norwich in the under-23s for this week, actually, earlier this week. And it's still like watching a kid. And yeah. there, was a, there was a moment where he was one-on-one uh, with the keeper. And you're thinking here, and he had a defender on his back, and you're thinking, well, there's one or two ways. This turns out a good scenario for Hepburn Murphy is A, he's got the strength to hold off the defender and then finish mm-hmm. it, or B, he just burns him off because he's so fast and then scores. And what happened, the defender, while you know, Hepburn Murphy's in full flight, hustled him off and you know tackled him and... Uh, that was it. And I just thought, well, there in a nutshell suggests that he's not going to be the man. Yeah, he shouldn't be in and around right, In that situation, Gabby, Gabby would have held the guy off but missed. Yeah, I, was about, <laughs> I was about to say, I think I was the, uh, one of a few people in the whole 10 today that when he got one-on-one with a goalkeeper, I was sort of yeah. thinking, oh, maybe I'll just sit down now. <laughs> 
I mean, I felt exactly the same. And I was thinking, did people really expect him to score from that? I mean, for God's sake. I mean, we watched him uh, when we recorded the last podcast yeah. and against Celtic in the under-23s. Oh, he had a penalty. And grief. he's always had a problem with his... He's not been, never been the most cleanest of strikers, no. of balls. Have, no. have I got the words the right way around there? Uh, I don't yeah. know. But, uh, you know, he'll, he'll score a lot of goals where it comes off his shin or... Uh, and it kind of bobbles in. As for a natural striker, he doesn't finish with a plum, is what I'm saying. Well, only, and, only uh, Villa would have a striker whose main attribute isn't scoring goals. It's <laughs> <laughs> so Villa, isn't it, that we would do that? I mean, it boils down to, to two things. And it, it, you know, the Brighton game was another another instance where I think the the Brighton defender gave the ball away, and, and Gabby had a run on goal, and he he didn't have that burst of acceleration that I would associate with Gabby. And that was the first time I thought, hang on a minute, that's your your unique selling point, if you like, where you think, yeah. you know, it, it would have burned away from someone and, like you say, got a shot off and, and, and missed. But it, Sorry, it, I've, been, I've been forgetting to mention the uh, listeners' names who have uh, asked these questions. That was Connor, AVFC underscore Connor on Twitter. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's a question, speaking of the under-23s. Donald Sage says, Grealish was great today, Baker started too, and Gardner has shown signs of progression finally this season. Is the woeful academy to first-team conversion rate, which has been a key failure over the last few years, mm-hmm. shocking when you take in consideration Premier winners like Cahill and Albrighton slipping by? Is it starting to turn? And what of the prospects like Sullivan, Sellers, etc., who do we see continuing this progression and how will they factor into the first team as we move forward? Well, Sellers has been injured. Uh, I mean, he just got back from uh, 
he started training at the start of this month but from i mean i've seen the last two games of the under 23s and it's not a great situation at the moment i think no. he even spoke to uh, round about this and uh, that's something that i mean his uh, remits is from kids villa kids all the way up to the first team so that's something he's obviously got to get back on track but you know i looked at in those games i've seen in the last week or so uh, i can't see anybody stepping up i mean no. Andre Green, uh, maybe, but he's got a long way to go still. Mm-hmm. My take's sadly quite similar that we, uh, I think we, we want to have a romantic view of our academy system, but we've followed Villa long enough to know that so few have come through. I mean, even from the, the two names that were given uh, given by the, the listener, that Cahill came through Sheffield Wednesday's um, academy system. He didn't. He, he joined us at 16, I think. Yeah, yeah. So and it, I've mentioned this before. Gareth Barry is one that people often refer to, but he was actually from Brighton's academy system yeah. and joined us again at 16. So, and then you, you start on this list backwards, don't you, of, of Gabby, who you could probably consider to be one of the success stories, bizarrely, given yeah. what we just said. Baker may prove yeah. to be a success. And then you and then you start thinking of the Moore brothers, uh, who had yeah. all the talent in the world but came to nothing. And, and, and you think yeah, it goes that, on that, and on and on. And that, and that was in a good Villa youth team. Uh, I think they won the youth cup that with was, the Moore brothers. Well, they beat a team, the, the opposing team was the Wayne Rooney-Everton team, wasn't it, where yeah. a number of players went on to, to achieve some good stuff. So, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a tricky one at the moment. I think it's kind of watched this space in terms of the development. I mean, I you know, saw them in a, under-21s in a pre-season game against Tamworth, and, you know, they pretty much didn't lay a glove on Tamworth. That that is a concern, and I mean, I, my my only real up close viewing of them recently was against was the under twenty three game uh, Celtic. Celtic, and th- th- I was very underwhelmed by what I saw. And the other thing about it is it, that 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 competition is diluted with uh, senior players who are trying to get fitness or whatever. So it's not a perfect test bed either. I don't think. Yeah, although saying that, I mean uh, the Celtic. Celtic under twenty threes looked. I mean, they had a couple of fringe first teamers in there, but it was mainly the kids, and they looked probably they looked like probably one of the most cohesive units to play at Villa Park for a good few years. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose the thing that I think that I'm, I'm was just trying to to underline was that there was, I suppose, more in relation to the question. There was no one who I thought, God, I imagine we'll see him pretty soon in the in the pushing for a start place. Yeah, no. Exactly. There was none. There was no one who you thought, God, who's who's that kid? You know, there was none of that. And I think Hepburn Murphy, judging him on that Norwich performance, sorry, this is the under twenty threes again. I think he's more likely to uh, be off to Rangers or wherever, uh, whoever's after him. I mean, the fact that Gabby's back in the thinking means that's another Birth forward yeah, yeah, yeah. and Berth gone, and there's a McCormack still floating around, and then there's you know there's even talk of getting new players in, even on loan, just to cover the African Cup of Nations. So, I mean, just judging him on that moment where he was clean through, and he had a defender on his tail, and he a he didn't burn him off, and b he just couldn't hold him up. And you know, this is under twenty three level, and he, if he can't hold this guy off, he's not going to hold anybody in the Premier League off. If we get back up there. Next question, Carl Hewitt says, that winning feeling buzz. It's been a while. Is that a question or is that a statement? I'm still not, I'm not that buzz still. I think you've got to dig me out of a big hole. Yeah. Well, Randy Lerner did dig us a big frigging hole, didn't he? I think my buzzes relate to league table positions, I think. Of course, it's good to win games, but there's, I mean, we're in the championship, we're Aston Villa, and I expect to win games if you you know what I mean. But uh, once we get in that top six, then wins become wins. I mean, at the moment, we're just winning to try to get back to respectability. But yep. I want to be winning where we're shaping up to be promoted. 
which will be in a final against the Blues <laughs> uh, at Wembley, as we've already mentioned. That would be an interesting train journey down, wouldn't it? <laughs> did you see the uh, that report? Uh, well, actually, uh, where did I read it? I think it might have been in the mail, where there was like 70-odd Blues and West Brom fans waiting at some junction to... Uh, mm-hmm take on the the police escort of Villa fans back into town. But it got busted. So the rivalry's alive and well then, <laughs> ahead of the clash. They were obsessed, banding up against us. But yeah, Bed Blues uh, looking pretty solid. I mean, to go yeah. to that to go to that pub team, Brentford, as they like to call themselves, <laughs> <laughs> and beat them 2-0. Uh, I mean, that's hopefully what we'll be doing, but maybe hopefully doubling that score, because after all, it is a self-proclaimed pub team bit early to be talking about it but i i, I would just like to, to see villa blues in the <laughs> Wembley final just for the just for the shenanigans it causes for everybody the police could you imagine Wembley. <laughs> could you imagine i mean you how would you do it how would you uh, oh. i remember my liverpool fan uh friend and i think it was it one season uh i don't know last 10 years at united manchester united and liverpool were on to potentially play i think in the Champions League final mm. if if oh, they yes. kept on winning I can't remember what season were they both in the semi-finals I can't remember but he was I was like well it'd be you know great if United go through because uh you know what a final what a game for you know British football blah 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 but he he preferred them not to go through from the point of view that he couldn't bear losing against them in oh. you know in such a final but I think that's a pussy reaction I, I want if we're going to play anybody in the Wembley playoff final I want it to be the Blues oh, that <laughs> would be. and I'm talking about you know I, I don't you know I'm taking the risk that so you got to take risks in life to get the uh, for ultimate fulfillment and that would be you know within the context of this league who better to beat at Wembley in the playoff final than the Blues what, what what better way to get promoted? Well, exactly. I mean, that's it's a uh, it's this, a win win the... scenario. Not not approaching it like, well, if there's any team I don't want to get beat at Wembley, it would be the Blues. Uh, to be honest, I take the view that I mean, I, I think they'll go up automatically. But I think my nightmare scenario would be against Newcastle. Actually, that would be good as well. That'd be a good day out. Oh no no! <laughs> Just think of all the bed sheets and the uh, cost of fortune, <laughs> absolute fortune. <laughs> Uh, it would be a funny one, actually. Uh, Mickey Quinn would be jabber, jabber the hutting it away somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, so let's, let's look at the what else has been happening in the championship. Well, the good news is Newcastle lost. Yeah. Uh, speak, speaking of Mickey Quinn's team. Yeah. At the moment, I don't think that really impacts on us. But nah. uh, but still, long-term goals, it might come into play uh, later on if they carry on uh, the odd slip-up. The alarming decline of Norwich has been interesting because... They were kind of a benchmark. I think if Villa were ever going to finish automatic promotion spot, you'd have to finish above Norwich. And at the moment, uh, I don't think that's going to be that hard. Well, they're slipping away and their manager got the dreaded vote of confidence, didn't he? So He's almost getting into Alan Pardew territory at the moment. Now it's time for Twitter with Tony. November 13th. I think it's even more important for FA to set up some fair play rules or policies to protect clubs cultivating young players and FFP rules. November 25th. I only know two Murphys. One's famous Hollywood comedian, the other is our future star, Epburn Murphy. 
but footballers are not living by mouth. November 26th. I asked Steve to pick me to play for one game. <laughs> November 21st. Happy birthday, Villa. UTV. Moving on to the next game against Leeds United, that mighty force who uh, nobody wants to replicate in terms of sticking around the swamp that is the championship if you don't play it right and if you don't bully enough teams to uh, and take away their assistant managers and best players you end up being uh, but Leeds looking a bit better this season they're fifth at the moment uh, four points ahead of Villa so I've only got one goal at Allen Road and that's to win yeah uh, they fall into the category of teams that I think if we've got aspirations to go up then this is the kind of game you've got to win um, yeah well, Newcastle Newcastle sorted out pretty swiftly against them at Ellen Road, so I think we have to be looking to do the same thing. Got to go there. I, I don't think, I mean, I know that you know, Ellen Road can be quite a hostile place to go, but we've. I thought we looked, having seen what we did at Brighton, I think if we went there and applied the same sort of, you know, relentless, particularly I think here we played in, in the second later stage of the second half at Brighton, I'd like to think we'd have enough to at least threaten to win. I think priority for me, don't lose your away games. Don't go there and lose. But to yeah. win, to win there would be a real statement, I think. Yeah, I mean, and it's I mean, it's a statement I would like to have made at Brighton. But in terms of the short term of promotion places, Leeds are there at the moment. We're not. It's a pivotal game. If we win this, and then we're suddenly right in the thick of it Absolutely. of the promotion places, and supporters will feel like suddenly we're in a promotion race again. Not again for the first time <laughs> <laughs> well, uh... since. Uh... <laughs> Graham I was, Taylor. I was thinking about this earlier. It's weird that looking at the looking at the top half of the table, not having to wait for the set. You know, like they they stick it up on the TV or something. That I was actually <laughs> it caught me off guard. Look, luckily, we're not kind of on teletext days where you would have to wait was it like a minute, a minute for the second page. Good God, imagine being a Villa fan like we are now, and uh, we had the technology of like ten years ago. <sighs> a lot of time are wasting there. Uh, so what's, what's I mean, just looking at Leeds, what's what's got them into the uh, playoff positions at the moment? Good on the counter. Yeah, I mean, Leeds have lost seven, won nine, mm. drawn two, and lost seven. So uh, they look like a 50-50 team. I and mean, we come on, when your goal difference is, you're fifth in the league and your goal difference is plus one. It goes mm. to show we should be beating them. I think they, when you look at Birmingham being a, a place above them, I think that that's I think Le- Birmingham are a better team than Leeds. I mean, Birmingham have only been beaten three times this season, so they're a lot more solid than Leeds. So I would say going to the Blues and going to Brighton's uh, grounds were, were tougher propositions, probably. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I'll just stand by what I said before. I think if we're only going to get into the, the top six by winning football matches and you know Leeds are there, we've got to catch them as it stands. I think the momentum, the momentum feels like it's starting to be with us as well. You know, you talk yeah. about... If you're looking at that league table now and you're looking over the last five, six, seven matches um, and you're in those playoff positions, you know, who, who would you want to be at the moment? Would you would you want to be Norwich or would you want to be Villa? Would you want to be Huddersfield? Would you want to be Villa? It's No, there's nobody else I'd rather be. You got some appropriate music for that. Uh, 
Yes. There's nobody I'd rather be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think we're, we've got the momentum, I, I agree. And speaking of momentum, uh, let's have a look at the five reasons to be cheerful. Is momentum going to be one of them? Yeah. Kind of a feeling of resurgence, would you say that's momentum? It's just years of... of, of this of, is number one. Of waiting for us to be relegated and to be... We haven't been on the, on the hunt for anything for... Since, what, the O'Neill days? Where you're thinking, you know, we had that one season under O'Neill where he really threatened to break into the top four. Yeah. Um. But since then, in terms of, you know, over a domestic campaign, this is Villa on the hunt now, and, and that's got to... I, don't, I wouldn't say I've got the buzz yet. No, I would agree with you, I haven't got the buzz yet. Yeah, I haven't got the buzz. I think I finally... I've got an interest in seeing how this pans out and I'm, I'm it does feel like a change in a change in mood yeah i mean it's uh somebody put on uh on social media the league table when spurs last beat chelsea at stamford bridge and villa was was second that's they telling two games in hand to liverpool and i think they were one point behind and it, this was actually a crucial time in the season i think we we got beat three no by spurs and then it or Wimbledon or somebody and and we signed Tony Cascarino and that kind of fucked it all up Uh, but but that team that was when I was buzzing you know that team was one uh, Ron Atkinson team was another you can identify with it I don't you know I can't identify with something that was so toxically bad uh, in the last few years as uh, Villa have been I mean there was nothing apart from the name and the colours of the kit that were left from the team that I used to support but uh, but yeah no just looking at that table I thought yeah I remember the enthusiasm I had for that mm. team and uh, and that it was you know it was uh, something other other clubs kind of respected as well because we've lost a lot of self-respect over the last couple of years and it would be good to get that back by thumping teams and one of them i've got on my list is to go to brentford and beat them about five (laughs) six nil pub team pub team we're only saying this because this brentford fan uh who has a a brentford podcast obsesses with villa fans calling them the pub team when i think maybe like two people on social media called them a pub team but if that's what they want to be called we'll go with that so number two i think bruce's unbeaten run and I mean, we're only talking in the context of the championship here because that's the here and now. But I think he's taken this practical, systematic approach of just ironing out all the weaknesses and the bad things about Villa on a week-to-week basis and getting us up to a point where we can actually start thinking about uh, becoming the team that we've you know, I've just mentioned, like the Graham Taylor team, for example. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. It's... He's a proper football manager, and there was kind of old school as well. He's, he's old school, and I think if there's if there's one thing about the modern game I don't enjoy and don't like is the needless complication of football. Of you know, we've already meant burying the game in stats and why why someone should be interpreted as good because no, actually I trust my eyes and I trust trust the results really. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just one example today when we'd uh, after we'd conceded and. Uh, managed to get ourselves back ahead just before half time. We we conceded. We we gave the ball away and and gave Cardiff a chance just before the whistle. And Bruce was going insane because it was you know because everything they got today Cardiff really was because of our ineptitude. You know something stupid that we did that led you know like I think Ayu got dispossessed needlessly in the in the centre half centre circle yeah. in the second half for instance stuff like that. And that must infuriate a manager. And, and it's good to see that Bruce. Like you say, he's, he's set us up to be solid at the back um, and to hit teams. You know, I don't think it's necessarily pretty all of the time, but it, he's paid to get results and he's getting them. Number three, reason to be cheerful this week. What do you think? 
Quite simple. Calderwood coming to the club. That's that's a big turn up for the he's box, already been He's already been at the club. Yeah, but he... he... <laughs> He's back, but he's back. He's better, he's back. He's not trying to play football with no knees as he was. But but Round and Bruce seem to rate him highly. And I mean, obviously, uh, most supporters' opinion on this is just based on the fact that he was assistant manager of a team that was second in the league. Mm. And uh, that's that's about as far as it goes. So, uh, I mean, obviously, he's come because he sees i think dr tony's money and the money they've been throwing around is attractive to uh really i mean certainly round mentioned it uh maybe he's, he's been sold at the scope of the project is big i mean it's quite i mean obviously they worked with them before mm-hmm. i mean i if i was brighton i would be pissed off he's and i think chris away. chris yeah, yeah. chris Hewton was pissed off i mean it's one of those if it's on if it's on you know it's a bit like ron atkinson saying oh i'm staying at sheffield wednesday i'm never going to go anywhere and then the next day signing for villa as the the new manager it's one of those it's a it depends which side of the fence you're on if you're on the the vic if you're a victim or uh well football's just a huge like ponzi scheme for this sort of thing isn't it because yeah. it's no different to you know if if by some strange quirk that Bruce and Calderwood are wanted by Man United. They'll go to Man United. It's, you know, and there'll be yeah. nothing that Villa can do about it. This is just Villa doing the, on the basis that we can, like, like you say, sell the dream to someone and probably give them a, yeah. a big pile of money as a sweetener in the, in the interim. Right, number four. Seeing the Holt end full against Cardiff. Yeah, yeah it was, I mean, there's still a lot to be done with the Holt end uh, in terms of what could what it could be when mm-hmm. you look at the oh, sure. the yellow wall of Dortmund, and I think Villa are missing a trick there. It could be the best in the league, like hands down, uh, and do something a bit different as well. But it's for another time to discuss that. But yeah, no. Before, uh, I mean, some of the wings were empty, but uh, it's, it's looking it was looking a bit more solid against Cardiff. It's probably all those Cardiff fans that got into the whole ten today. <laughs> <laughs> right, number five. Well, I think we just keep mentioning this while it's still going, and hopefully it'll continue to the end of the season. But we're still unbeaten at home, the only side in the division. And uh, we meant we'll mention this hopefully as a, one of the reasons to be cheerful every after every home game. Yes, yes. In contrast, this to the weeks and weeks and weeks over the last few years where we've been coming with little or no hope that we, that we would even win or have a shot. Yeah. And the fact that we're you know, yeah, we, I mean, it's... let's remember we were having as you as you rightly point out we were having games and quite a few of them where game we didn't even have a shot on target. Game after game. And what is football if it does not have shots on target? That's Paul Lambert. <laughs> oh, where is he? Oh, he's at Good Wolves. luck, Wolves. <laughs> In terms of uh, this top six, do you think we'll be there? We've got how many games? We've got a bunch of games in december i mean it's uh it's pretty crazy how many you got one two three four five six winnable games it's a few tough away games but norwich leads but norwich are spinning downwards mm. qpr with holloway in charge won't be that easy but put it this way there's enough games there if we sort ourselves out and remain unbeaten we should be in the top six by the end of those would you agree with that yeah i would agree i mean so i'm going to put it out there i expect to be top six by the turn of the year minimum or sack minimum and because i say we're going to be top six at the end of the year that means it's going to happen so you should subscribe to this podcast on itunes make sure you give us uh stars lots of them and all that kind of stuff and also, tell your friends about this podcast, why don't you? Yeah. If you enjoy it, and a lot of people seem to enjoy it, I think they, because they're your friends, they should also deserve to uh, enjoy it as well. So, 
save some money on Christmas presents, and instead of buying them a present, just tell them about this podcast. Also, there's going to be uh, an extra cost of this podcast if we uh, keep going, which we want to obviously do, and that's going to be like $20 a month. Now is a good time to become a, a My Own Man Said patron, because at the moment that's uh, one way of funding it. So uh, go to the website myownmansaid.com and check out the patron link and you know just a dollar dollar a month because it's an american company that run this so it's gonna what's that gonna cost you about 80 pence or something a month but yeah if we get a few more people doing that then that helps so uh until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him goodbye <laughs> gotcha <laughs> My old man said. And joining me on the show is Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground. Welcome, Jan. D- Jan. <laughs> Welcome, Jayford. Hello. <laughs> well, this is the show. Is that you're not allowed to say the G. What a pair of pisser. <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.